Hey, this is Jose Galison of No Way Jose. As always, you can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me on just about anywhere podcasts are at, every major podcatcher. Uh, my guest today is Andrew from Popular Liberty, and we'll be talking a slew of topics, uh, mostly kind of like tactic stuff and like uh, archotropism. This will probably be like a little bit more back and forth and not so much interview style because this was actually the impetus of this. He was actually very interested in hearing about accelerationism or at least my version of it, which I feel like maybe I should almost come up with a word, kind of like he's come up with archotropism. And I kind of wanted to pick his mind too, because I'm kind of interested where he's coming fra- from. And we're kind of this weird, like, I don't know what, what word I could look for, almost like whirlpool of of people that have similar thoughts to like me and Andrew right now. And so so we may get into like the Maddie Dave, uh, Vin shit at some point. And I feel like me and him probably have interesting takes on it, because we're kind of somewhere in that weird mix like I, I'd assume Andrew probably isn't a fan of utilizing the LP. Neither am I, but I, I assume we have completely different reasons. And same thing with Maddie and Vin with me, all different reasons. It's very interesting to see how people come to the same conclusion from different ways. So I, I'm, I know that's just been something that's been bringing true in my head as of late, as always give me money. Patreon.com says no way Jose 2020. Go check out top lobster as well. Uh, that dude's a shit. I'm wearing one of his shirts right now. I'm wearing the uh, fucking, um, was it the, the Scott Horton one? Uh, I actually have, I, just, I haven't checked recently, but I might still have my merch up there. So if you want to go buy a No Way Jose shirt, be one, one of the few people having one. Um, yeah, go check that out. He's got two different designs uh, uh, up there for me. Uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring on Andrew, and we'll fucking get to this. What the fuck's up, dude? <laughs> Howdy, Jose. Hey. Uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience? Uh, good, yeah, good evening, y'all. I'm a uh, yeah, Florida boy like Jose. Now, and uh, right now, yeah, right now I'm in Texas. So the uh, uh, my name's Andrew. I've been uh, yeah, podcasting for a few months now, and you've probably seen me around on Twitter, usually saying some inflammatory shit that kind of makes libertarians go re. And uh, yeah, I hope to say a little bit more about that tonight. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I reached out to, to Jose and cause he had been, I had seen him talking in the, uh, in the tower power, uh, uh, group about the, uh, about accelerationism, you know, a little bit. And I also, uh, seen him or listened to him on Adam Patrick's show. And I was pretty interested. I thought, you know, I should, I should talk to this guy. He, he seems like he has a mind for tactics. Yeah, I mean, I definitely am interested in in pursuing that and, and explain it to you more. For those listening, if you do want to get more of my idea, a good place for it, because I, I do want to focus more on Andrew this, but we'll probably later in the episode, we'll go more into that. But a uh, good episode of that was on uh, Timeline Earth with Aaron. It's a, I can't remember what he called it. It was an episode with me, him, and Pete, but me and Pete were, were different. It was like, an epi- like a thing mashed together. So Pete had the first 30 minutes, and I had the second, like, hour and 15. Um all right, uh, Andrew, one of the things you, I f- feel like you're known for, or at least one thing that drew me to you, was the archotropism, which is kind of a thing you came up with and uh, kind of like impressed with, because I've, I've listened to it a little bit, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, okay, uh, I'm still a little a little retarded, so I, I, I would like for you to kind of tell me what it is, uh, explain a little bit better. I think I get the gist, but I mean, I know the people listening probably, most of them haven't, and I do think it's yeah. an interesting way to view power. And so, yeah, I, I go, I'll give you the floor. Go ahead. Yeah, well, about four years ago, I was looking around. I was looking around for a, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking around and I had noticed a, you know, several patterns that kept coming up over and over and over again in my, in my reading of, you know, of history. I, I always like kind of, you know, reading about battles and stuff. And 
and I had and I read, you know, read about history of states and statecraft and you know anarchy and you know, and you know from basically as far back as like six thousand years. And one thing I, that you know, I kept coming up, there were several patterns that, that kept coming up over and over and over again. And one thing that hit me, which, and this is, you know, you know, what, what, one, yeah, something I, I noticed was, it seems like, you know, there is this principle as above, so below. And where it seems like that you have the, this, uh, these, uh, you know, the, like some higher principles usually transcend or, or, and, and they go like the, the, the small seems to mimic the large in, in some, in some way. And I had, and I had noticed uh, I started to notice that hey, uh, these uh, you know, these rules of of human power, they seem to very roughly parallel thermodynamics, and because you know this was I had a have a little bit of a science background, and you know I just I just noticed it one day, and I'm I'm like huh, because you know and uh, particularly like like with the the way the state will behave, and it, it's like why they do things that don't make sense economically, like if you're looking at the, at the state from an economics point of view, it doesn't make sense. And, and, but, but, it, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, but there are, you know, and I looked around like, but there are states everywhere and there've always been states as far back. And it's like, but, you know, why it was like, you know, after food, you know, 12,900 years ago, we get the, the ice age ends food is now, you know, agriculture is now possible. We got the food part down. The very next thing we did was a state. Mm -hmm. Like, how is it that important? And the, and it seems like not only do people, not uh, seem to be opposed to this. These bandits. This is a mafia. I, I do believe that this thing not, is not a to mafia. cut you off, but agriculture was the first advent of centralization. So yeah, it pretty much makes sense. So, <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. Kinda, yeah. yeah. And uh, but it seems like, gee, and uh, you know, the, the after like the you know in Maslow's hierarchy, you know, you have your basic bodily needs, and then you have like kind of like more social income needs. It's like, why did they put the state right there? Uh, anyway, but. But uh, you know, it's like they, they put such a incredible importance on this. I, I couldn't figure out why. But uh, but eventually, I noticed that oh, that you know, these rule, these generals, that this method of power that the uh, the states and the ruling elites have basically developed, it very roughly parallels thermo thermodynamics. And and that was when it kind of hit me that the uh, like the you know the the first law of archotropism is basically the con I call it the conservation of power. But, you know, even though it's really the conservation of the value of power, it basically states that the uh, the value, of, not the power itself, but the value of power economically is always conserved. So, in other words, it's always fixed. And it, this is where the left gets the their idea of the fixed pie. And, and you know, and this was something I, I, I had, you know, my dad had always taught me is that if you want to, uh, uh, you know, really understand something or you want to really do something well. Don't fit, you know. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Figure out who knows what they're talking about, <laughs> and go copy them. And you know, and I started really studying the left and the state because they seem like they really understand power. It's like the left, like they, they have like a, just an unfathomable love for power. And these people Which are the, like the irony of that though is their their notable thing is not believing in hierarchies. But I no, sorry, it's just it's just this. You know, I don't know. I just found that silly. Well, that, I find it, it you know, funny. Well, I, I'm actually going to explain that because yeah, I can I, I can explain that very easily. Yeah. You know, with my framework is that the uh, anyway. Uh, but I started studying them and the, the way they behave and why. I'm like, what? Because that was what really stuck out to me is why do they think it's a fixed pie? We we know for a fact it's not. And that 
And that was when it hit me, you know, because like if, if, you know, if, you know, it, I, I imagine like two armies, you know, going up against each other, it's like usually the bigger one wins. And that's when it kind of hit me. It's like the value of power is conserved because it's a fixed pie. If you think about it just logically that, you know, if I want to aggress against Jose and for it to have value, I would need to succeed. So the chance of me succeeding is relative to his chance of succeeding at defending himself from me. And that, and that was where I got this idea that, oh, the value of powers is relative because it's, it's always percent of a whole, not the power itself. Cause you know, the, you can always make more bullets. You can always make more money. And, you know, and all of the, these things are kind of forces. You can always gang up with other people and so can you, but that, you know, but you know, if I gang up, then you have to gang up, you know, and that, and that, that evens it out. So it, like, or, you know, my gang all brings guns, your gang all brings guns. You know, it's like, and now, now again, we don't have the advantage. So that was, a, a, and uh, basically the other laws seem to become, indi- you know, based off of that. Is that what, you know, th- th- these are the only assumptions I make with archotropism. It's one that power has value. That seems pretty obvious. We just saw the state, you know, print $10 trillion last year. <laughs> and that was like, no, that gave me almost a nosebleed when they did that. <laughs> like I, I, I had seen like, like, oh, they're going to do this and it's going to be bad. Just ten trillion. I just I I had never fathomed that before. But the uh, you know, but, but if you as long as you, but I assume that uh, the, the value of power is relative. I can logically you know deduce that you know the its value is uh, oh it does have value. Its value is relative to itself basically, and that its its value has is uh, you know it's subjective. Those are those are my main three assumptions in archotropism and you can get basically everything else from there everything else is kind of just strategy and but that you know that that first law about, about this thing is always conserved this is why the left always think seems to think that the uh because to them the value of it is power you know it, the value of money is power and so if if uh someone has more than them well that means they so that person has more power than them and they don't like that and and for them you know what you know, they, they, the reason they're scared of inequality is inequality is like the main thing for aggression. Because think about if I have a lot more firepower than you, then I can aggress against you probably pretty successfully. And this is the, this is that's the second law of archotropism is that the uh, you know that predation is the consolidation of power. This is why they they you know or predation is the consolidation of power, and it always goes from you know lower concentration to higher concentration. So in other words, the strong prey upon the weak that's pretty self-explanatory mm-hmm. and it, you know, if you, if you, if, uh, but this, and, but therein lies, you know, the left's incentive to really destroy production. This is why they don't like it is that, you know, if I create new wealth, that wealth has power value. And that's basically to them, that's basically inflation that, you know, that I basically, I've predict by producing value that, uh, you know, like new food or something like that, I have actually predated upon the left's, you know, power. You know, because they had spent all this time consolidating power, and then I just made more of it, and you know, and then that you know, and then that inequality has to start off all over again, and so now they have a vested interest as predators to keep consolidating and keep consolidating. Now that they they don't want you know, this is something Rothbard. This next point is something Rothbard talked about in his uh you know uh, book, The Anatomy of the State, is that the state ha- does have a vested interest in not over consuming because if they do they're going to you know eat themselves to death and who's going to grow the food 
you know, if we're all in the military, who's going to grow the food? So what you so what you find from that is that there was a time preference for power, and this is where I say uh, say that the value of power is subjective, and because it is subjective, it is subjective to is subject to time preference. That's the third law: is that the value of power is not just relative, but it's also subjective. That yeah, and this is why you will have uh, the state won't eat itself to death. Typically, it does happen, you know. But that but the there are. Uh, Two kinds of time preference that you'll find in a in a state that is the institutional preference and the personal preference, and these two are not necessarily the same. But what will you, you what will usually happen is that because the state is trying to balance its you know its consumption, it still has to get elected. So that that, that this is you know in a republic, I should say, that's not true in a monarchy or something like that, because we're in a. Uh, you know, a, a, a republic where people still have to get elected, that's going to slant the time preference kind of kind of onto the higher end. But what they're still going to try to balance it. This is why we get a bunch of centrists. Because basically, you know, what Rothbard wrote was that, you know, production has to precede predation. So you're going to, you know, no matter what, even if the production is just, I had a baby that grows up to do work for me. You know, okay, that that is, that is still production in the very, very loose sense. And you can't predate upon something until it's been produced. So the, uh, you know, what what the state will try to it's it's going to try to balance it so it do, you know kind of in the middle, kind of, and it will, and uh, but because it has to get elected, it'll slant left to. Uh, and by the way, the way I the way I use left, right, and libertarian is I would as the left is the high time preference for power. So in other words, if you like, I want my power and I want it now. <laughs> it's like it's like I want my communism. I want my welfare. I want, you know, I have a long the laundry list of all the things I you know that are my rights. You know, <laughs> the, you know, this is what makes you a leftist. And because and because you're consuming so much. Remember, remember, I said that the you know you said it was kind of ironic that the left has such a love for power, but they want a flat hierarchy. Well, mm -hmm. what happens as you uh, start to, you know, consume, but remember that predation lowers, uh, you know, is a direct lowering of the uh, value of society. Whereas the, yeah, or, uh, you know, because you're, you're eating production, you know, it, it's, and it's not coming back. Whereas it like, if, if I want to just grow food and eat it, you know, that, that is value I've taken into myself as manpower. So basically, you know, it, when I'm just producing and I'm not doing a predatory act, that value is conserved because and it's conserved and the, the food is the value the 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 power value of the food is conserved in manpower as as a, my human body and you can and you can see the same thing thing as like wealth and labor and stuff like that where if you're going from potential power to this again the part, second part of the first law is that it can that the, the while the value of power is fixed it can be transformed in one form into another and you know, and it and it can be transferred from one form to a, uh, from one wielder to another. If you're as long as you're doing productive activities, you will not see the value of power go down. But if you if you do a predatory act, you know you will see the value of power, or not the value of excuse me, not the value of power, the, the amount of power in a system go down. Where, and that's because you get, end up like disincentivizing its production, as Rothbard talked about. But because the uh, you know, the left has such a higher time preference for power, they end up over consuming. And so what happens is as your wealth goes down and down and down, your hierarchy gets flatter and flatter and flatter. And this is what and this is why the right, which is I call low time preference for power, they believe in hierarchy, they believe in under consuming and saving for the future and passing wealth on to their children. This is why, you know, this is why we have human civilization, 
is you know, or what we call it today, is that you had a conflict, you know, a you know, a kind of a, fr a freak of nature, you know, good luck. Because remember, you know, capitalism could technically start 12,900 years ago when agriculture became possible. Because if you can't grow enough food, you can't have the people, you can't have enough specialization, uh, you know, to actually have a working economy. And for the next 10,500 years after that, you know, where agriculture was possible, we basically got nowhere. I mean, we had gotten to the point in Rome uh, in like 500 AD where you know, people were using you know, urine, uh, you know, because of the ammonia in it to brush their teeth. That was, how, yeah, that, that was where we got into in 10,500 years. 1,500 years after that, because of the confluence of monarchy, which is a very low time preference for power style of government, it's still a state, you know, it's not, you still don't love, it. you're not, still not going to like a state, but it's still, you know, it's low compared to where we were with a republic. And you had a low time preference religion that would, that would dominated it you know, at the same time. And we had never gotten those two together ever for 10,500 years. And then we had that, and then we had that together for about like 1,500 and 1,500 years later, we're talking to each other on Skype or not Skype or, you know, I'm not sure what this, what this program is, but the, uh, yeah. And that's what happens when you have low, you know, low time, but you're under, you're under consuming, you know, in terms of power, because you got one king. You know, even if he's like Robert Baratheon, you know, he's he's still a fucking. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, it's like he, only one one fat king can only go through so many hookers and booze. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like he's one guy. How much is he gonna do? This, so, I mean, that, that, uh, and so, but, but basically, that's where you get the you know the the right has a lower time preference mm. for for power, and it's low to the point where you do get some excess value that you know the and and. Then libertarians, by extension, are the zero time preference for power. We want none of it. You know, it's oh. like no. We want infinite deferral of of this gratification. You know, I, you know, I don't know if I'd agree that maybe this is a definitional thing. But as I was yeah. listening to that, I I was thinking in my head that the to make this work, mm -hmm. you would theoretically have to make the libertarians be the third position, and the third position being we're essentially, I guess, because there are left left. Uh, mm -hmm libertarians and right libertarians but as a right libertarian you if anything you are actually seeking power but non-coercive because i mean i my, i don't have an issue of power i don't have an issue of authority it's the well, it's again, a coercion or non-coercion so that would be like yeah. the third position so like because I mean, well, if there are some uh, anarchists or libertarians who who would be like oh i don't want anarchy or hierarchy or whatever i'm like yeah. okay cool like but but they don't. Their issue is a coercion or non-coercion. So it's like I guess yeah. you can kind of throw us anywhere. Uh, on yeah, it's a definitional so, thing. The difference yeah. right here, where the, whereas I I divide power into two types: you know, potential power and kinetic. Again, I'm basing this kind of off of thermodynamics, mm -hmm. where potential power can really be transformed in, into one form or, or another. You can go from like manpower, you know, from like food, which is a form of wealth, into manpower because I ate the food, and potential power can go to potential power on a one-to-one -one basis. Easy. And whereas, but if you're going from potential power into kinetic, that's what I call, that's what I call predation where now, you know, now I've aggressed against you. I stole your food and, you know, and then I ate it and therefore I disincentivized you to really work hard to be productive. And there, therefore you will see a, a, a drawdown in the amount of power in a system. And the, but the, but, you know, and libertarians want no kinetic power basically where we want to say, Hey, we're not doing any predation. No aggression. We believe in the non-aggression principle. You know, it says, "Hey, it, it is wrong to initiate aggression against peaceful people." And that, you know, and basically, th this is that initiation of aggression is kinetic power. 
And that is, that is consuming power. We want no power consumed because aggression is immoral. Yeah, or I should say initiating aggression against peaceful people is immoral. I guess that and, gets into how you define power because I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I would, the way I would define power in some ways is it's not necessarily bad or, or good. And I, that was one thing I know is not to jump the gun with a lot of yeah. issues I had with some of Maddie's argumentation mm-hmm. is he very much did not differentiate like with authority or power, any different types of power, different types of authority. Yeah. Cause that is a thing like I mean, mm-hmm. us most right anarchists understand that there are, there are, there's power, there's hierarchy, there's authority is the, 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 the problem we have is a course of nature. So if mm-hmm. you, like, if you're a landlord, you hold power over your tenants, but it's a non-coercive power. So yeah, I mean, I guess it depends I on how call you define power. it. Yeah. I would, yeah. Okay. I would call it, uh, yeah. Anything that's, uh, you know, like voluntary or that's like soft power. Cause I, that, you, you know, that's a, that's one objection I've had so far. Well, what about soft power? You know, which is kind of like influence or pro or ownership or stuff or stuff like that. I, I lumped that all in the potential power. So, mm-hmm. so kinetic power is explicitly when we're going from the things we like to the, the things we really don't like, you know, as libertarians and okay. that's classic libertarians. And, I differ. I, I differentiate myself a little bit at, from the le- you know legacy libertarians. I'm you know post libertarian, but okay. I just so basically that you know yeah. the, the definition for me of kinetic is base is essentially coercive. You know it, okay. it's non voluntary. It's aggressive. You know and you know I you wouldn't really say I'm aggressively defending my property. Like I mean you can kind of say that, but it's not really what you mean. You know you're being okay. defensive because it's yours and. Whereas, you know, when I say kinetic power, I do mean, I, I mean, aggressive, this is not what libertarians believe in. This is, you know, to the opposite. We want zero of this, ideally, and especially from the state, which we don't really want it. We don't want that at all because mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a explicitly aggressive, uh, it, it, I mean, it, it's a state. It's, it sells statecraft. <laughs> statecraft is aggression as a service. I'm paying, you know, you pay me to go aggress against your neighbor for you. And that's exactly what we don't want. We want zero of that. That's why I say there's zero time preference for power. But yes, you can say that, you know, in a more loose sense, or I should say a non-archotropism sense where, mm-hmm. you know, I have power over myself and that's kind of what liberty is. Yeah. And yeah, it, that, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a different definition. But the way I'm using that definition here is power is basically the ability to coerce. And when I've, you know, I, I say that's like the ability to coerce a result or yeah. something like that. It's the ability to initiate aggression. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm better fed and you're starving to death, I have, I'm more able to initiate aggression. If I have more money than, than you, I'm more able to initiate aggression. If I have more guns and firepower than you, I'm more able to initiate aggression. And that, and that, that, that's how I would, you know, kind of define that. Okay. I mean, I guess I may quibble that maybe that's not the best way to go about using power. That's fair. Because I think, I mean, this is why definitions is always so important. I think that's, not, not once again, not to jump again, jump the gun, but it's like something that like, I don't know, people can get, get loose with their terms and then they'll say like, well, I'm defining yeah. it this way. And then later they'll define it, use it in a different sense. But I don't know, terms are probably one of the squirreliest things whenever it comes to talking, mm-hmm. like especially debate, shit like that. That's where people get lost. And I think that was one of the biggest things that you mm-hmm. know we'll get to later with a lot of people misinterpreting yeah. a lot of shit that Maddie or Vin or saying, I mean, not to say that they were 100% right, but that, that was one of the biggest things I noticed. A lot of people not trying to understand their argument and just interpreting it how they want to interpret. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. That's why I went and invented the word archotropism. So I didn't have, uh, you know, I say this is, you know, this is what I, I'm, I'm owning this. This is mine. I made all the definitions for it. And 
the uh, well, not mine. You can't own a word, but you know what I mean. But the uh, yeah, but yeah, that that this way there's no confusion as to what I'm talking about. But also that the the word archotropism, you know, comes from you know two Greek words, archos and tropos. Archos for ruler. We're we're familiar with that as as anarchist. We want no ruler. And the uh, tropos means to turn. And so archotropism is to turn towards a ruler or to turn towards a state-derived ruler. Excuse me. And the uh, Basically, that you know that you know, I defined archotropism as the process of a state gaining, you know, gaining power by extracting order from chaos. And you'll see this a lot, where the uh, you know the left will go out and cause chaos. They'll you know ransack a town, or you know, in the name of Black Lives Matter, and then the state will you know try try to seize power. You know, you know, yeah. some they'll use that as fodder to seize power. Yeah, it's and a he Hegelian dialectic, right? Isn't that what that is? Much. I believe. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what Basically, it is. Basically, exactly. Yeah. And the uh, you know that that but the, you know but in do, in extracting order from chaos, you know, like restoring peace, you become more powerful, and but because you are now the owner of that new order, which is kind of like an intellectual property, but you know what, it works. We see it all the time. And this is, you know, and so like when the state goes out and like causes a problem, like with the boom bust cycle, yeah, these are great opportunities for them to, you know, power grab. War is another excellent example where, you know, picking a fight, you know, no matter, you know, no matter who wins the war, the state, the, you know, <laughs> what, you know, a state will win because they will get more power no matter what. And the, uh, I mean, just I mean, just look. Even even like the even like the Weimar Republic, you know, that lost the uh, the World War One. They ended up with Hitler, <laughs> and they, you know, it was way more powerful government. And the, uh, you know, this is just what this is just what happens because if it, if you have chaos, basically because chaos is always undesirable. People hate it, and people put a very high value on order, even if it's a terrible order. They still want order. You know, I. I like I can tell you, hey Jose, I'm gonna rob you once a year. Here's the amount. Here's the day. Here, and you'll be ready with your shotgun. But because I'm not the state, but because if I am the state, then you're gonna be like, all right, you know, you got me. And you know, because and uh, but you can plan your life around that. You can live with that because it's orderly. Yeah, it, it is violence. It is coercion, but it's orderly. I can make my life can move on. Whereas like if if I'm afraid to like walk down the street because I might get robbed, it's like my my life can't go on. I can't do that. They, that 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 that's chaotic. Yeah, that's too cha There's a yeah ordered violence. We can live with that. We can manage that. Chaotic violence. We can't do it. And mm. the uh, you know that the uh, oh, where, where was I going? Oh yeah, <laughs> but but this that uh, this chaos cycle. You see it in all human in all human societies. This chaos order cycle. You know, uh, like in a monarchy. Well, you'll see the left try to do it. They'll try. You know, because monarchy is basically a price floor. It's instead, but it's a price floor on the interest rate of power. So basically, you know, interest rate is for is how you determine your time preference. If you're, you know, and uh, what the what the, the reason monarchy works decently well as a form of well, okay, it, it, it's less. It's like the the least shitty form of government is that. You know, I, I do have to be careful in my terms here, <laughs> but the. Uh, yeah, it, it, is that you basically have a price floor on the interest rate of power. So what will happen is that you will get get more. You know, as you know, if you have like a a, a price floor, an effective price floor on interest rates for money. Yeah, you know, what you'll what will happen is you'll get a a crap load of saving because you're basically you know your market can't clear between the uh, you know the amount of of the between the supply and the demand of money, and you'll it'll be locked in a, on a high interest rate where you know this way above market value and 
you're just going to get flooded with savings, which would be a wonderful problem to have right about now. <laughs> yeah, because we have the opposite problem. But mm. you were, and, uh, and so, but but what the the way that the the monarchy works, it basically puts the price floor on the interest rate of power. But by saying, okay, instead of you know, you know, everyone being able to consume effectively, you know, in a republic, and you know, basically a republic ends up being a slight you know, a price ceiling on the interest rate of power where you end up uh, consuming and consuming and consuming until you basically consume everything. Monarchy is basically the opposite where, you know, only since it's only one fat, it's basically one fat kid is allowed at the buffet. He, the, the one fat kid has a gun and he's able to keep everybody else away from the buffet of power. And, you know, because remember, we, we consider uh, kinetic power to be consuming potential power. So uh, that's why I use the buffet, uh, bu- buffet analogy. But because you know, instead of it being like you know, it's like okay, you can only uh, consume at a particular rate. It's no, it's basically only one person can consume at his rate. And since he's a king, he basically uh, you know, again, Robert Baratheon can only go through so many hookers and booze. And mm. uh, that's just that's just a, it's just one guy. How much can he do? And that you know, and so for, but if you get a better king, uh, you know, you can you know do pretty well actually. I mean, for for a monarchy to work, you only need to get one guy right. You know, only one person has to be wise. You know, whereas you know, for a democracy work, over half have to be. So it's like this yeah. is never going. That in democracy monarchy, in a monarchy that guy's heavily incentivized not to fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's like you know, and when something goes wrong, everyone knows whose fault it is. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, like in a republic, it's like it's everybody else's fault. It's his fault, and I'm like pointing in two different directions. Yep. And you know what? Yeah, you know, it's like I, I I voted the way I wanted to. I'm doing all the right thing. It's that guy, and you know, it's you know, it's a clusterfuck. Republics and democracy are terrible forms of government, mm-hmm. and even the in, and the founding fathers kind of knew this. And you know, this is why, like you know, you know, they did a really good thing. That remember that the Constitution was kind of a right wing coup, and the uh, what what ended up happening there is that we we they the Constitution they gave us is basically two thirds monarchy, one third uh, republic. Because your your Supreme Court and your uh, executive are basically these are both monarchical institutions. Kind, you know, it, the, uh, 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 the the executive a, l- a little bit less so because the president still has to be uh, elected, but he's one guy in charge and has a shit ton of power. So he's basically a mo- he's kind of a monarch. But yeah, it's basically to, he's, the, uh, it, he's the worst kind of monarch because, like as we saw with Trump, it's like he can be the monarch when it works to the, the benefit of the elite, but when it's not to the benefit of the elite, he's immediately not, and they can undercut all of his power with their checks and balances. <laughs> yeah, they can. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. It's a, it's it's quite the devious fucking thing, and we like to stand on this high ground. We, we have this amazing system. And the, the great thing about your archotropism is it's such a, it has such good explanatory power for, like, this is the thing a lot of us know, but this is another way to look at it. It's good to have different ways to look at things. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it has a good explanatory power for shit like how the Constitution created the – or just how some of the governments that have the – have what appears to be the most free fucking states or whatever the fuck you want to call it yeah. end up being the most oppressive. And, like, now we're starting to see it turning inward. But, like, if you weren't retarded, you could kind of already see it before now. One yeah. oppressive fucking ridiculous apparatus we have here is just that we're being complacent because it was all focused – mostly focused outward. So now it's coming home. The, the chicken's coming home to roost, and we're like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, and the uh, oh yeah, it's a, it's a big oh fuck for what's coming because it's gonna get worse. But yeah. the uh, 
But yeah, like, like what happened with the Constitution was basically because they made it like two-thirds monarchy that kind of screwed. Yeah, normally with a republic, you're you're kind of leaning left. And, you know, and it, it, basically the reason we have such a gigantic government today, again, based on this third, this, uh, third law of archotropism, my explanation for why we have such a shit ass gigantic government is that we is that the uh, you know we, we it ended up being the uh, you know it, it put a price for that you know it acted kind of like monarchy you know you, you where you had a, a republican monarchy is a is a hybrid where you had a, a high a high uh, price floor on the time preference for power on on the interest rate of power so basically you, you know they, they they what they were trying to do was. Make, you know, make a small government that would stay small, and they. But and but what they actually ended up doing was having a very very low time preference version of a republic, and because of that, you ha you now have underconsumption. The state is now underconsuming for at least the first uh, hundred at least hundred fifty sixty ish years, and so and we've kind of coasted off that since then because the constitution is really not in effect hasn't been in effect since like the twenties or thirties. Not really. Not since World War One, it basically went away. And but we had it up pretty much up until then. And the uh, and we and even now we kind of still have a little bit of it le left. And like they still didn't get rid of it. And, like there's still several of the checks and balances are left are left intact. Like you know the the division of power between the states and the federal government. That's a major division of power. That's like over fifty percent of the power of, of our government is vested in the state and local governments, not the federal government. If you look at the uh, again, you know, the, this is the way that the actual and this is something else I know. It's the way the elites keep score of who has the most power is the is the money. This is their spending. Whoever has the biggest budget has the most power. So if you look at who has the amount of spending power, because again, spending is power. So uh, to them, so if you Look at who who has the, who's spending more money. Is it the states or the federal government? Normally, it's you know, right, this past year was the federal government uh, by far. But uh, the the you know the uh, uh, on a normal year, it's actually about like 55, 45 states. States that you know the states collectively actually have a, have a little bit more power, and that's a major division of power that doesn't exist anywhere else, uh, or you know not really, and the. Uh, so I mean, the, the, uh, like, not all of the checks and balances are gone. You know, we and it, ba but basically, it was because of the checks and balances working that we got a big government. Mm -hmm. Like, the, 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 if you limit a government, you're going to get a bigger government simply yeah. because you know your your government is now under consuming. That leaves more for the pe the uh, producers, and the producers are going to you know exponentially use that to be more productive. You know, it's co it's the way compounding interest works. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, and so the. Uh, you know, and you compound that over you know hundreds of years, you know, and and yeah, you'll get pretty good. Yeah, you'll get a, a gigantic ass government, and you know, we, I mean, and we can go to the uh, now we can. Uh, this actually, you know, taking us into World War One actually gives me a great segue to uh, the fourth law of archotropism, which is about uh, you know the the like kind of the uh, the way the way we kind of formulate uh, power. And because we, we have a definition for it, which, which we've talked about, but we also have like a formula for it, uh, you know, and that the fourth law is that it is, you know, but, you know, the, the, that power is basically equal to the, the amount of force spread over the uh, spread over distance and time. So basically what, what that ends up being is that, you know, okay, if you, you know, it brings you into the physical plane. So if you're, you know, if you want to have a lot of power, what you do is you, you know, the strategy for it is concentrate a lot of people in a small geographic area. This is what we call a city. This is why cities are the 
you know, are like the the worst kind of you know urban shitholes that they are. You know, where, you know, where that you know you have a lot of really bur- you know evil Democrats all running the show. It's because you have a lot of power in one location, and it's all all, all concentrated into a small location. This is what that is, and it's just you know, it's re- something really simple like that. And and it also tells you the strategy that hey, if you, if you have you know not that much power spread over a large distance, you're going to see a lot of liberty there. That, and this is why your rural areas are pretty nice to live in. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, and if you're a, uh, excuse me. So, and if you're like going to war, this also tells you like, you know, this, for, this fourth law is, you know, why you want the high ground. This, uh, you know, because the, the, it's the, uh, you know, where, would you rather be, you know, be having, you know, a force of nature at, at your back? It, like it tells you which geographies are going to be advantageous for going to war or doing battle. And, it tells you. It, it tells you. Okay, you know, w- w- you know which geographies of a state are unstable. You know why is it that, you know, ba- you know this is something I, I also noticed a lot is that you know states tended to make their borders around geography, and that and you know and the reason that ended up you know finally making sense to me with the fourth law is that oh because it's hard to pre- to project power across that geography. Like if you have a an ocean, you know, if you have two ocean moats on either side. You know, that's it's hard. You get you need a navy and a really good one to even begin to project power across that. Across that, that's just not doable. You can't go the distance. You can't move the force over the distance, and it's just not doable. And basically, the fourth law, I kind of you know you know you know making you know kind of parentheses. Logistics is a bitch, even for power, and it, it basically it makes logistics a problem for power. And so this is why you can't get a world government. Is that it's impossible to project power over the fucking planet. It's just not doable. It's not cost effective. We know. We've tried. We've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all this bullshit is. <laughs> yeah. Basically, what happened at the uh, you know is uh, after uh, uh, like what fifteen hundred years of wonderful Christian monarchy, you know, building all of civilization. Remember, we went for ten thousand five hundred years. that got to like brushing our teeth with urine. That was how far we got. And you know, for fifteen hundred years after that. We did, you know, it's like, oh, we invented a lot. We reinvented philosophy and civilization and architecture and art and science and everything good. On you know, modern medicine, thank God. And it's like everything good came from like, you know, the uh, the amount of saving and you know, uh, you know, store up your treasures in heaven, which really just made, you know, in fundamental, you know, or I should say, in practice, what store up your treasures in heaven means, you know, from a, is uh, give it on to your children. You know, you, you don't spend it. You pass the wealth on to your children. They do stuff with it, and they and their children do that, and so on and so on and so on. And so, after a fifteen hundred years of you know really great human progress, we decided we're gonna like you know screw it all and have two world wars. And we're we're gonna first of all oh, wait. First thing first is you know you have to you can't have a world war without democracy. So we're gonna throw out throw out the nice monarchy that's given us every good thing. You know, we're going to get uh, European democracy, which you know, which, which was an unregulated monarchy, uh, unregulated democracy. So basically, we got the limited democracy, and so we only had only had one civil war, only one. Rome had like you know, and that's in two hundred thirty years of a constitution, only one civil war. Rome in in Rome's first uh, you know uh, two hundred thirty years, they had twenty six civil wars. Mm-hmm. That's what like, right. you ever seen that Wikipedia meme though, where it's like this list isn't uh, finished. You can you can help by expanding it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but that, and th- by the way, for Rome, twenty six was just the civil wars. That doesn't count the external wars. 
Mm-hmm. And we've had plenty of those. Yeah, it's like so we weren't we weren't perfect. But oh yeah, when it comes to wars, it's kind of people yeah. always ask me how many tattoos I have. It's yeah. like at a certain point, it's just kind of like, well, I'm just tattooed. There's not like a quantity. That's yeah. kind of how we're at with wars, where it's like, well, we're yeah. just kind of always at war. There's not really like a a legit number I can give you. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and democracy and Greek democracy was just as bad because that was more of a pure democracy. That in the hundred years that uh, you know it lasted, because it didn't last long, it was such a shit show. Uh, I mean, they were at, they were at war for seventy seven of them. So it's, <laughs> this, this this thing was a total shit show, and yeah, uh, not was, at all a good comparison for our current predicament. <laughs> so yeah, we, we uh, so so yeah, we th- we we threw out the Christian monarchy that had kept things you know relatively nice and had given at least nice enough that we can have progress, and we decided, yeah, all right, we're going to squander this all on two world wars. This is what high time preference for power looks like ever after a thousand years. So after a thousand years of scrimping and saving, we decided, hey, we're going to have a big party. A democratic party, and we declared democracy on the world. And this is it. Want to make the world safe for democracy? What an oxymoron! <laughs> you know what I just realized? Like constitution and like these restricted governments, all they are is like edging. Like you ever heard the term edging for like sex, where like oh, someone yeah. just like kind of like kinda, yeah, sort of exactly get you it. there, and then you get to the end, you're like ah, yes, exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. It's a perfect analogy, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, it just came to me. I was being... That's exactly perfect. But yeah, it's another way. It's like, you know, when we say, hey, we're going to spread democracy throughout the Middle East. It's like, we literally just declared war. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. and so anyway, it's, it's like, yeah, you could, I always say democracy is a, a declaration of war on private property. So yeah, we definitely did spread democracy throughout the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. It's like we succeeded. Success. So it's, it's a horrible shit show, but it's true. And the, uh, but anyway, so that you know, with, with the uh, the fourth law, what happened with the you know, like the reason uh, you know, okay, there, there was like two kind of lines that go down. You know, if you, if you look at a map of a world kind of flat, and you look at if you plot like where all the wars take place, they're basically on two different lines. You know, going uh, you know on you know one is one of them's kind of going north to south in China, the other one's kind of going north and south through the Central European plain, and. The reason for that is this fourth law, because when you have a really, really flat geography and, and multiple states within there, there's nothing separating these states from projecting power to one or the other. Therefore, they're going to fight. And the reason a lot of really good and healthy states will make their geography around like major, uh, like major rivers or major mountain ranges or stuff like that is because it's hard to project power, project power over them. And whenever it's not hard to project power, this is where you get the, uh, you know, a lot of wars is that, you know, I can go touch you and you can go touch me. And this makes both of us feel really uncomfortable. And like the, the, you know, when you have a state, the worst thing you can do is threaten them <clears throat> because that's how you get the really bad version of the government. And, you know, it's like, they're allowed to threaten you all day long, but when the moment you like kind of return fire at them, they freak the fuck out. And so, and w- whenever they're both looking at it, uh, you have two different states that are kind of looking at each other like, oh my God, you know, you, you're, you're a threat. And then they just, they can't get it out of their heads. And eventually they're going to fight because there's nothing separating them. This is why you need good geography to have a healthy state. And so, so the, the so when you have like, uh, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, countries going down through that central European plain that, I mean, like that's the, that's the border. They're going to have a world war right there and it's going to spread to everywhere. And because, you know, at the end of World War, uh, uh, you know, base, World War II, basically it, it had gotten to the point where, 
Yeah, all right. So, yeah, all of Europe is in ruins. We decided that we were going to, you know, it's like we, we were kind of looking at, at, you know, the Red Army kind of behind Germany because we had just gotten, we've just gotten through watching them like rape and pillage their way across, uh, yeah, across Germany. And we're like, oh, we don't want to do this at all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we were shaping up to World War III. And so what we did was we got, got all of our, all the people we had just gotten done fighting with. And we took them all, and uh, we took them on a vacation resort called Brenton Woods. And then we did what we did, what you did whenever you have a business conference, and you take them to a really nice place, and then you shove them all in a dark room, and you lock the doors, <laughs> and you don't let them out. <laughs> uh, and so uh, that was how we got the Brenton Woods agreement, where we basically said, "All right, so we're going to do this thing called the Marshall Plan, where we're going, yeah, step one, we're going to bribe you. This is this was an explicit bribe to all of Europe to say, okay." You're all going to be on the same team now, and you're going to stand in front of us, the United States. You're going to stand in between us and the Soviets. That's important because, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, I know you guys all just got done shooting at each other, but now you're all going to be on the same team, you know, Team America. And uh, you're going to be our, our human meat shields against the Soviets. Deal? And, <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, uh, we're going to need to sweeten that bargain just a little bit. So what we ended up doing after, you know, to sweeten the deal was we said, all right, so our navy is the only one to survive the, the oceans and or survive the survive the World War II. So what we're going to do is, we're, you know, we're going to, uh, ta- you know, ha- basically, okay, World, World War One and Two were both fought over. These were empire. This was the end of empires when, because uh, what you know, what you had was all of these trade routes were crisscrossing each other, and this is what eventually gave you the. Uh, you know, all this friction and, and war because it's like, that's my trade route. You're not allowed to go there. No, that's my trade route. You're not allowed to go there. And you, and you saw this particularly with the Ottoman Turks. They were famous for, for this where, you know, the, you know, we uh, ended up inventing deep sea water navigation to get around them, but that didn't quite stop them because they controlled basically the whole Mediterranean at that point where they would you know, just have, you know, unaffiliated, you know, pirates who would just rob you. And because you had to go through the the uh, the trade routes and you couldn't deep sea water navigation, uh, which we eventually invented to get around that. But the uh, anyway, but 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 so the uh, you know that kept causing all this friction and all this friction and all this, and eventually that gave us World War One and World War Two. So that was that was because we didn't quite we had free trade or you know, but not really because you had all these empires crossing each other. Remember what we said is, you know, whenever you have territory that's crossing, that's what's going to cause them the fight. This is, again, the, the, a product of the fourth law of archotropism, you know, which is what, what kind of what, that was that crisscrossing that gave us the World War One and World War II. So what we did at the end of it was we said, all right, you're all on the same team now. And we kind of said, okay, here, you know, here's step one of the bribe. What we're going to do for step two of the bribe is that, you know, we're all go- we're going to... Uh, Patrol the na- the the ocean with our navy. You're not going to have navies because this is what caused the problem, <laughs> and uh, you're all going to get to do free trade at our expense. This is why we have a trillion dollar budget, uh, a, tr- a trillion dollar military budget. Is mainly to to be able to say the second part of our bribe for the rest of the planet to be on our team against against the Soviets was we're going to pay for everybody else's free trade. Because if you have tr- free trade, you have to insure it Because against pirates and other state, mainly other states who really are just our pirates. You know, remember what that uh, quote from Alexander the Great that uh, the, the one pirate uh, said to him, you know, what I do with one ship, you do with a whole Navy. So, and the, uh, 
so basically we said that we're going to pay, you know, the, you know the, the second part was our military budget. This is why that this had the spike and it's never come down because this, this is the second part of the bribe that we paid to them to be on our side against the Soviets was free trade for everyone at America's expense. Y'all don't have to have a security budget. You know, we'll control your foreign policy. And boy, did Europe take that to the, to the logical conclusion. Now they have giant welfare states and, you know, defenseless militaries. And so that, that's why that, that's why that ended up happening is, you know, we said that our military is a bribe. That's why we can't get rid of it. And why it's been so, that's why Trump did, actually did end all the wars because he, he, he fucked the free trade system in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, all right, well, it wasn't, it was free for everybody else, but we had to pay a trillion dollar military budget for it. So was it really? No, uh, but uh yeah, but now we're, we're you're actually going to start seeing some of the wars start to end. I'm going to make that prediction on on the re on the record. I've made this uh, this prediction twice now publicly that you're going to start to see a lot of the wars end because Trump fucked the free trade system in the ass, and he said we're not doing this anymore. And uh, you know, and it was funny because what you know when uh, when he did it and he kind of announced it like he did all, all these uh, tariffs on uh, uh, on Europe that that pissed off everybody. And uh, you know, you had Angela Merkel come in to uh, the, the White House with like a PowerPoint presentation, and she's going to explain Trump everything I just told all, all of y'all about you know how history works, how this works. And she's like, basically, as you could see from my uh, from my PowerPoint, yeah, you know, what you're going to do is like the death of my country. And he's like, and <laughs> <laughs> it <was> so bought. <laughs> And uh, basically, and, and it's like, it was Shinzo Abe, the, the prime minister of Japan, who kind of figured out what Trump was doing first, was he's like, uh, you know, he, and so he, uh, after he got like shanked the first time by, by Trump, he took out his copy of Art of War. He's like, oh, this is his negotiating tactic. So I should come back with a bribe. So he came back with a half trillion dollar bribe of Japanese investment. And it's like, all right, we got a great trade deal. And if you look at the picture of when they're, uh, signing that trade deal with him in Japan, which is basically uh, when we have a trade deal with you, it means we're, our military is going to protect you, so you don't have to worry about anything. And th and they've got China on their ass, so they're like, okay, yeah, this this makes sense for us. So you know what you know if you but if you look at this trade deal because Trump is a little bit more of a dick about it, but you know you can see like the in the picture he's got this big grin, he's holding it up like, and you can see Shinzo Abe just has this like. <laughs> he does not look happy about it at all because <laughs> yeah he, and uh he just has this look on his face like god this thing fucking sucks he just took me to the cleaners and you saw that with the you know the basically the six countries we have right now they're the only six countries left in the uh american uh security umbrella and another and this kind of proved it again with because we're so done with the middle east because we remember uh, a, a little while ago when uh when uh, Iran or those uh, the the, Reb, the Houthi rebels in uh, uh, Yemen, you know, blew up that one oil refinery, mm -hmm. and uh, Trump got a phone call from uh, what was it? Uh, what was it? Uh, MBS, uh, you know, Mohammed bin Salman, king of Saudi Arabia, saying, "What gives, man? If if you were, you know, if you had a, if Reagan was still in office, I wouldn't have to make this call. You would have already nuked Tehran." And he said, "He said, I can't take your phone call right now. I have I have a fundraiser to go to." <laughs> 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 it was such a Trump thing to say. Uh, yeah. At least this, and so the uh, anyway, it, like the, we just don't care anymore. It's not our problem. Yeah. They, it's like, and this is why they've kind of cozied up to Israel, who actually has the military might. Saudi Arabia has the money. Israel has the military might. They get together and it's like, all right, we really don't care about the Palestinians. Saudi Arabia just doesn't. None of them do. This is all about power. By the way, same same reason that. 
yeah, the the U.S. will get involved if it's like a Palestinian thing, kind of because you know Egypt's right there. They still think that land belongs to them. That that land did used to belong to them, and they still get kind of pissed about it from time to time. And what they're afraid of happening is that if Egypt starts to you know get aggressive with Israel over their treatment of the Palestinians. What will end up happening is you got that Suez Canal right there. That you know what was it like? You know, it, you had that one boat that got stuck uh, for like you know, and it was like a bill, you know, tens of billions of dollars every day of uh, trade that was just getting shellacked. Uh, and uh, if you have a war across that, can you imagine? That's why we'll get involved because you know they, it's basically that's all the trade from uh, Europe and uh, uh, you know and uh, Asia that goes straight through there because then you don't have to go around Africa. Geography is extremely important to power. So, mm. but but basically, that's the only time we're going to actually give a crap about the Palestinians is because there's trade right there. Again, yeah. all wars are trade wars. And yeah, no, no, it's uh, it's, in, it's interesting you put it that way because I would say that we're not going to have any more like, or the war is going to die down anyways, just because we get to the yeah. point where we can't afford that shit anymore. But I mean, that is an interesting way to look at it as well. But we're on the fourth law right now. Is that the last law? I'm kind uh, of retarded. Yeah, don't remember my, yeah, my laws of thermodynamics. So yeah, they're, well, uh, they're, they're sticks in archotropism. <laughs> they're sticks in archotropism. So okay. the uh, the fifth law is actually kind of where we where we were going because because now mm-hmm. we can't do it anymore. The fifth law is basically that all that you know all power is subject to entropy. Is that it will gain chaos over time. It'll gain. It'll lose function. It gets all. It basically it ages and dies. Happens. And this is true of every human institution. This is actually like word for word, the second law of uh, thermodynamics, I believe, that uh, you know, all, all, uh, all power uh, you know, in a closed system, all uh, power is, or all energy is subject to decay. Or in this case, uh, you know, all power is subject to decay. This is why we see like a four turning cycle throughout history, where like every fourth generation, this was when you get a major war, is because, you know, but what happens is, the old war wipes everything out. This is a quality event. I, I basically I call two things. There, there are actually two things in in nature that really really increase equality, and one of them's war because it shit fucks everything, and therefore like your rich person really isn't that different from a poor person because you know war just torpedoed everything. The other thing, and the and number two is a uh, what I call a spontaneous equality event called a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like you have a tsunami that comes in, just wipes off the co- wipes the coastline off the map. Rich people and poor people—it's not really a distinction anymore because you just this equality is always a bad thing. And so, whenever you have war comes through, kind of wipes the wipes the the uh, slate clean. This and uh, it really is like every seventy to eighty years. We're, by the way, we're due for yeah, you know, we're we're kind of due. But I'm hoping hopefully we can break the cycle. Hopefully, <laughs> it's been eighty years since the last big one, which is World War II, and the old cycle has it kind of yeah, you know, it wipes the slate clean. So now you get some new growth that will spring up. And then it'll get it'll work well for a while, and then it'll get old and ossified and corrupt and die. And yeah, you know, when it di- and when it gets and when it gets to that point, it's just it's it, you know weakness invites aggression. So it, it's old and we- this uh, this order is old and weak. It's begging to be destroyed. That's what Trump just did. <laughs> and the uh, and now you know we're uh, you know we're about ready for the fourth law again, if mm. you know what I mean. And. That- <laughs> And number six, and this is, you know, I, I, I finally said, I've had this one for a while, but I didn't quite have the wording for it, is that, you know, one, an overreaction from the left demands an overreaction from the right and vice versa. So basically what this is, is if you have, remember what we said about, uh, you know, price floors and all that and market and the market for power trying to correct itself. If you overprice one way, you're going to, you're going to underprice the other way. That's kind of what that, that's kind of what that entails. So that if you've had a, uh, 
you know, 1500 years of wonderful right wing production and underconsumption and power, this is going to demand, a, you know, a and pretty much an equal or proportional scale consumption of power later, which is World War One and World War Two from yeah. the left. And the reaction is the equal and opposite reaction. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Again, you're yeah. This is all thermodynamics. They basically worked almost the same way. And and you and so that takes us through from one through six is that you and and when you start using them together, that's when you start to see a lot of really easy explanations coming out. And this is what I, I like about this archetrope as a model is that it's really fucking simple. It, you can yeah. explain a lot of things really easily. And yeah, it, it does have good explanatory power. I'll give it that. So, I mean, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it, but it does, it does seem to make sense. And it's kind of one of those things that like with principles for me, if it, if it, if it, if, if it's useful, it, it kind of, in a sense, kind of makes sense. So, I mean, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is about how we went from, uh, you know, planets go around the, the earth to planets go around the sun is that, you know, the, the, uh, the helio, the heliocentrism model was way easier to use and yeah. it always got it right. And and uh, you, you know another thing I really love about about this. Uh, oh, sorry, I just I just lost I just lost my thought my train of thought. No, oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll help you out. Um, with with us just talking about archotropism, it's kind of something you developed, and it's kind of like theory. Um, I mean, I know you watched my episode with Adam Patrick from "You're Talking Over Me," kind of as almost like homework. And yeah. one thing he got drew out of me, like made me articulate that I guess I really hadn't thought, even though it was like retardedly obvious, mm-hmm. like in retrospect, is that 2020, like for me, was a kick in the ass to like take me out of theory and bring me into practice. Yes. And so like for like with you and having this theory, what what does your practice look like? Like what tactics are you trying? What is your prescription for the future? Obviously, like I mean, I, I know me personally, I can speak for myself. I mean, I have my own, like what I think we mm-hmm. should do. And then it's literally derived in tactics. I'm not going to be an asshole yeah. about it. We all just have our own ideas. I'm just trying my best to, I mean, at the end of the day, like my thing is like fucking do something. Like, I mean, I may disagree with what you're doing, but Jesus Christ is better mm-hmm. than being stuck in theory, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'll let you go from there. Well, yeah, actually I, I've, Two, there's a, you know, because of Archotropus, I can tell you there are two ways that are going to work, and one way which we're going to call the LP strategy, which won't work. And the, uh, but the, let's talk about, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the first two that actually will work. And I can, you know, prove, I can prove the first one really easy again from the second law of Archotropism about, yeah, you know, remember what we said about, you know, production from the left's point of view is actually predation. Remember, they called it, actually explicitly called this thing exploitation of labor. They explicitly call it that. So it's like, gee, why would they think that? And it's because, oh, you're, you're actually creating a lot more wealth that, you know, it's not theirs. They haven't consolidated it. So therefore, it's a threat to them. So, you know, the, the first, uh, you know, the first strategy I would call the, the wealth power and influence strategy or the agorism strategy. You know, basically, you're, you're taking kind of a non-political route and you're kind of focusing on creating new technology like Bitcoin or new technology like ghost guns. Or by the way, I'm getting a real feedback. Is that, are you hearing that too? I'm not hearing it. Let me. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that helped. Yeah, that helped. But is uh, it back now? Nope. I think. Oh, whatever. I muted, unmuted, and now it's gone. <laughs> so, right, well, whatever. Yeah. So basically, remember the for the algorithm strategy because you're basically you're focusing on really building new wealth, and that might be in the form of technology, or that might be in the form of like currency or something like that, and. The, uh, and, you know, like Bitcoin, I'm a big fan. Ghost guns, I'm a big fan. And this new wealth, because remember, 
new wealth is predation against the left from their point of view. So I'm fine with that. Any, any predation against the left or against the state, great. Good job. Keep it up. You're doing great work. And so that's why I say the algorithm is actually, you know, from the second law of archotropism standpoint, creating new wealth is a valid form of predation against the left and against the state. That's a good thing, no matter what. So the, like the, the wealth, power, and influence strategy that Jason Stapleton and Matt Erickson talk about is actually very, very good. If you want to say, hey, I'm not going to get involved in politics. I'm not going to spend my time with this. this uh, you know, I'd rather spend my time uh, doing uh, you know, actual wealth creation. That's actually good. That's good. That's good predation against the left. Yeah. And to clarify, if we're going to be real with the agorism, I know wealth, power, and influence is very similar to agorism, but it's <laughs> one minor, one minor deviation different. The biggest thing with agorism is you are also trying to, while you build that wealth, power, and influence, you're ideally trying to to build it outside of the system. If you got to build some of the system, that's fine. Because <laughs> the thing is, like, I yeah. feel like agorism does a really good job of like not being binary it's very much yeah. a spectrum so the idea is to be as close into the black or gray or whatever the fuck as you can so like if you're building all your wealth power and influence inside the system you're just begging for the system to fuck you in my opinion so like Sometimes, i mean yeah. yeah so but go ahead yeah, so. yeah and the uh, well the, the basically the reason why that happens again this is on this from their point of view this is on consolidated power if you just start paying them a little like small little bribe they go away this is what happened with, uh, you know, my, Microsoft originally is that, you know, what, with the, you know, the reason they, they came after him with an antitrust lawsuit is because he, he, he never had a lobbying budget. And after he got, uh, you know, sued by the Department of Justice, you know, because, you know, because of this, he, he just got a lobbying budget, went away, no, no more problems. They settled, oh, you know what, we were wrong. Oh, well, how about that? And he didn't beat them. He just bribed them. This is all that was. And it was pretty cheap too there that politicians are really cheap prostitutes just saying yeah. and the uh so yeah so yeah it's, it's like you know what you can do you know the, anytime you you're building enough anytime you build enough you're gonna get fucked and you know whether it's like these drug cartels you know it's like no you're you're, you're trampling on the cia's turf <laughs> it's like yeah you're not allowed to sell drugs that's what the cia is here for and the uh so that like uh, if you're building wealth that way, they're gonna fuck you with the war on drugs to try to put your ass in jail, and because uh, you're not allowed to do that, that's their thing, and at least unofficially, uh, yeah. or actually officially almost. But uh, yeah, they're, they're always you know they, they they will come after you one way or another you know, if there's unconsolidated power. The reason you would go into nor the black or gray market is that you know you, you want to stay away from the eye of Sauron. And, and the, uh, you don't want them noticing you because if they, if they don't know who you are, they can't get to you. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the thing again, for, again, fourth law, you have to be force over distance. If you don't know where to, where to go the distance to apply the force, you don't have power. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, so if they don't know who you are, they can't get to you. And that, that was, that's the reason you would, you would do that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, just anytime you're creating, uh, you know, unconsolidated wealth, yeah, or, or you're you're just not paying your taxes or something like that. By the way, I'm not. I'm you know for the, all the feds watching, I'm not. You know, I, I'm not saying don't pay your taxes, but yeah. you know that is what you know. That's what you. I mean, there's only seventy thousand auditors now. Yeah. Thank you, to Trump. For he legal reasons, this is all a joke. <laughs> Everything following is a joke. So cool. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I paid my taxes and I want my refund. Where are they? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so but yeah, now so, that we said that. Don't pay taxes if you can help it. Yeah. <laughs> well. I see, well it, Thing. Remember, we said that the uh, yeah that they have a time preference for power, and that they and that they will underconsume if they think they can get more power for it later. 
what ends up happening, the reason they will cut taxes is that they're trying to grow the economy so they can get a big, that they can get more power later. That, that basically, that the, when people say, "Hey, I want to uh, you know starve the starve the beast or something like that by not paying taxes," what they're really saying is that I want to make the state poor by making it underconsume, live beneath its means, and invest in appreciating assets, aka taxpayers. <laughs> and uh, who do earn more money over time, especially if you give them more money, uh, uh, you know, over time, and that's going to make them that you know that's uh, taxpayers are appreciating assets, and that you're basically investing in that will give them more power. Again, this is why you would do it more in the black market where you're not taxed. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, again, uh, you know, even a drug dealer who's in the black market is going to be going out and buying groceries and stuff, and all of that extra untaxed wealth will circulate around and eventually get back. It, it will grow the economy. So mm-hmm. so even in the black market, you're still helping to grow the economy. It actually would, you know, would be you know, kind of better if it was taxed because you know, it would grow the economy less. But at the same time, then it's, now you have the trade-off between high time preference and zero time preference. So it's like, uh, you know, I, I get, I, that, that one kind of goes both ways. But th- again, the, the drugs were another great example where in uh, – Colorado, when they first legalized marijuana, initially they were uh, in 2012. Colorado was getting 40 billion a year in direct revenue, and they legalized on November 6th, 2012. And I want to say November 6th, so 40 billion in, on November 6th for 2012. By 2013, that number had jumped to 47 billion, almost a 20% increase, mm-hmm. and and basically their tax revenue. So basically, they had basically a twenty percent increase in power just from that. So this is the reason that they will, you know, do drug legalization like that is so that they can have that extra power. And two by two years in, it had gotten to almost fifty billion, so almost a twenty five percent increase in their power in two years. That's a big deal. That's a good deal. They'll do that. And so it, you know, whenever we and this is something I noticed with a lot with uh, the right and libertarians is like particularly when we celebrate something as a major victory for us what we're really celebrating are the state taking a low time preference for power and deferring gratification in in some sort of way and this is why i say libertarians are like the zero time preference for power is because we really love it when they you know go low go really low on time preference and so anytime anytime there's a a real a much lower time preference for power from the state we tend to really really love it there i can't think of any exceptions to this and yeah. the uh, so uh, like the state will do these sorts of behaviors because it's trying to underconsume in order to get more power, and that's the only reason they'll ever do it. But and also, if you want to get something done, that's the key. You know, if you want to do something with lobbying or activism, you have to figure out a way to frame it in a in a sense that uh, the state thinks it's going to get more power. By the way, you got the little uh, thing, the the noise back again from your mic, and uh, there we go, went away. I have no idea why that keeps coming back, but uh, yeah, th- this is why they'll do that. And so, if you so if you want to get something libertarian done, you do have to convince them somehow that they're going to get more power for it. And so, yeah, you know, like if you wanted to do something like uh, you know education reform, where you got you know public scholarships. Again, we we'd like for it all to be private schools, but you know, it's like I I would take getting my taxpayer dollars back. In order, you know, in the form of like a scholarship or something like that, so that I could send my kid to a private school where he doesn't have to learn the public indoctrination crap. You know, I can send him to the Ron Paul homeschool. I would much prefer that. And uh, so, like a school choice program is like, you know, if I were the uh, private school, I would be lobbying the state with money 
that and saying, hey, you know, if I had more, if only I had more tuition dollars coming into me, I really could contribute to your campaign a whole lot more. Yeah, no, that is one thing I will, I will give that like, if you're going to operate within the state, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, I mean, that does make sense. Like, I know it's kind of the whole idea. A lot of people yeah. like the paleo strategy. I'm actually been a lot lately yeah. kind of coming around to the concept of like the paleo strategy, but not in that, like, I would prefer that. But like, if I'm, I'm like, if you're going to play politics, like yeah. why the, why the fuck wouldn't you play it effectively? Like, yeah. Play the, the game. Like, yeah, play what are we doing? Machiavellian. Like, what are we doing with this LP bullshit? Like, I'm full on agorism in the sense yeah. I don't think you should. But if you're going to, what's the point of fucking fiddling around with the libertarian mm-hmm. shit? At least that's the way I look at it. Because it's like, libertarian party kind of like does this weird shit where it's like, you do a mix of both, but you don't really get the effects of either. So we're it's gonna like, be status, but bad at it. It's <laughs> like you're like, well, we're gonna focus on messaging, but it's like, okay, but you're muddying the water with being involved in politics at, at all, and you don't even have the power. So yeah. like, I, I don't know. I mean, you kind of get like a shit version of both. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I might come wrong late. Come come around on it later. It's just I, I don't know. And you don't really have the power. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah, a whole other discussion. Like if, if, going if you're track. gonna play the game, play it to win. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like, and by the way, playing to win usually involves a little bit of like all tugging, as old bug likes to say. Yeah, you got the the sound back again. Damn it, I don't know what that is, but uh, but yeah, like with uh, uh, you know, yeah, you need to you know, have a little bit of Machiavellian, and a lot of libertarians just can't stomach that. You know, I'm one of the libertarians where I guess you called me morally flexible, and I've I've certainly gotten I've gotten called a conservative quite a few times, and. Uh, yeah, so it's like I get it, but because uh, I am a lot more morally flexible when it comes to how I play power. Again, I say that war is a is a declaration. I mean, uh, excuse me, democracy is a declaration of war on private property. From my point of view, the NAP doesn't apply. They declare democracy, which is equivalent to them declaring war against me. And now, after twenty twenty, it's like, how can you still think that they're not declaring war on you? My God, they put like millions of people on house arrest. You know, and uh, you know, and, and you know, everything they've been doing for like. You know, at least my lifetime has just gotten worse and worse and worse. And as, I mean, I'm at the point where I'm like the nap doesn't apply. It's it's a wonderful concept for how you know maybe society ought to be organized, but it doesn't apply. They've declared democracy, and so I'm just going to play this thing to win. And you know, there's a there's two ways you can kind of win with that. You know, there's you know the electoral route, which I I say has nebulous results. You know, it, it's definitely mixed results. You know, from the GOP side, from the libertarian side, it's just a complete failure. What the fuck are they doing? It's just a waste of time and energy and money. And and then there's the lobbying route. And this is one I've advocated. I, I really I've been advocating this one for years now. That, that I've said, hey, you know, if, if all of the power is for sale, why not just make the purchase? Duh. <laughs> it's like if they're willing to sell it to you, you know, it's like that. That's probably worth it. You know, if they're willing to sell your liberty back to you, it's like I I I love liberty more than money. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take the deal, especially if this, again these guys are cheap whores. They'll sell the grandmas for a five thousand dollar check. <laughs> so I mean the, uh, I mean I, I, it's a you know. By the, and I also think about it like this: if you look at like the libertarian route from like the activism point of view, it's like how many uh, you know think to yourself uh, in in your head of all the podcasts you've ever listened to, how many activists were on there? So and uh, then think to yourself, how many of them got what they wanted? Virtually, you've probably had quite a lot of those, and hurt, and virtually none of them got what they wanted. Then, then ask yourself the opposite question: like, how many uh, lobbyists have you ever heard interviews or podcasts with? Probably very, very few. How many of them got their way? Virtually all of them. 
<laughs> it's like, and granted, their ways were not good, but they always did, you know, help the state have more power. It works. It's like, it, you know, it's like, I don't know, may, maybe it's icky and it's, you know, unethical or whatever you want, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it works. And if I you mean, want to on, play on, game, play it. on that, that kind of goes back to the NAP thing. Um, fucking, I think the state by existence is aggressing upon you. Like, it's an aggressive entity. So, at this point, all we're doing is talking about tactics. I mean, I, I kind of disagree with those tactics, but there's nothing immoral about those tactics. I mean, I'm, I'm not, like, standing against it on moral grounds. I'm just saying, tactically, it's mm -hmm. like, I just have disagreements, but yeah, morally? Nah, fuck no. Like, yeah, I, that's one thing. People always try to criticize the NAP because it's like, well, look what the state has done. It's like, well, the state from its very existence aggresses upon you. So it's a non-factor in this discussion, the NAP. Fuck the NAP here. Like, it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if, if you're by, by the way, I say all, you know, like my mother always taught me, if you're playing fair, you're losing. <laughs> it's like, the, you know, you, you, sh you should not play fair with the enemy. You know, the enemy exists to be destroyed. And you know, if if you have to, you know, whatever it takes to get your liberty back from them, just do it. And and uh, you know, again, if you're going to go the political route, just you know, do it the the Machiavellian way because it works. You know, you, lie, cheat, steal, do whatever it takes. You know, with in Minecraft, <laughs> the uh, you know, so so like uh, yeah, or you could if you if, if like the uh, you know the ickiness of that, the the unethical nature of it is not for you. I understand. The algorithm route works great because again, production is predation against the left, and against uh, and against the state. So you know both of those strategies work really re work really really well. And the uh, and the, the uh, uh, you know because but you and I we, we had had a kind of a discussion about accelerationism as a tactic. I, I wanted to hear your your because uh, it's not really a strategy; it's more of a tactic. Mm. You know, again, strategy is like a broad. Sort of thing, whereas a tactic might be one little small, yeah, you know, small thing. That's that would be acceleration as a tactic, not not really a strategy. But I, uh, you know, wh wh like, why would you use? You know, because from my point of view, in an archetropism standpoint, the way I would see that is you're creating chaos that they're going to try to extract order from. So if you don't have a, you know, but that could be useful because if you're the one who has the political power and you can and you own the order. You can be the one to extract order from that. This is what DeSantis did, where the left went went and and started you know burning cities to the ground, and he used it to be and he extracted order and became like the best Republican and the you know and the highest you know even bigger than Trump probably, and because he he was the one to extract order from it in Florida, yeah, you know, where the you had all this you had a natural disaster in COVID or maybe man-made depending on who you on uh you know what news you listen to. And, you know, and you, on top of that, you had a whole, the left just went berserk, you know, with violence and rage and e just evil. And, you know, and he decided to be the one to extract order. And now he's the most powerful Republican in the country. And so, like, if you control the power, accelerationism might be a good thing. Because, again, you can be the one to grab power. And this is what you saw, again, with, with the, uh, the kings and monarchy for a long, long time, is that whenever the left would have one of their... You know, peasant revolts. The kings would put them down and seize a lot more power, and you know it always worked. Out, it always worked out for the right. And the uh, and so if you're going to use accelerationism, you, it's like that. That would be like my quali qualification that any kind of acceleration, you know, that is going to be introducing chaos into the system, you need to have a right winger there that has power that can extract order from that, uh, because that will work. 
that will be a very effective. This again, this is what worked well with DeSantis. And yeah, but I think you're using that in a slightly different way than I'm using because I'm using it to say is you're you're introducing chaos into the system to again flatten the hierarchy down, kind of like a natural disaster or something like that, or a man-made disaster. I, I, yeah, I mean, my, the way I would, I mean, I would. I don't even know what accelerationist is the right right word for what I'm trying to explain or 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 articulate. I'm if I'm not really cr- trying to create chaos as opposed mm-hmm. to more. I'm trying to create division. Okay, like that's a, a form. A, a quickly like dividing way of while it may not be perfect, but separating us from the authoritarians, and that yeah. and I think that's going to be a useful tool going forward. But we are like a little late in time, so I don't mm-hmm. want to go too deep into it. We may have to like do another episode and maybe do it on I'd like love to. maybe do maybe have you host it next time, and it'll be more focused on my thoughts. I want to mm-hmm. take a little bit of time to talk about the Eric Maddie uh, discussion yeah. in relation to Dave. And I know Vin very much is always like, oh, don't focus on people. It's small-minded bullshit. I more want to focus on their ideas because each one of these people are representations of tactics and ideas. And I I find it very interesting how, like, like people like uh, me, Maddie, um, you, uh, Vin come to very similar conclusions but from different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I mean, that Maddie and I mean, it's it's funny. I was talking to, I was actually on Break the Cycle last night with with mm-hmm. Josh Smith, and like, I very much like I don't even entirely know what the fuck those two guys even are really trying to do by the end of it. But mm-hmm. I have a vague idea, and they seem to be very close to. I know, I know, Vin's kind of an agorist. So that's sort of what he's pushing for. Mm-hmm. Maddie, like, it's funny, like he's basically describing agorism, but with like a slightly minor di- like differentiation, but not even really. Like mm-hmm. I could almost get him to almost entirely agree, which is weird because the discussion he, you know, discussion he had earlier at some point, he kind of almost like trounced an agorism a little bit. I was yeah. a Pete, and I was kind of like, dude, what you're describing basically is agorism, like for all intents and purposes, basically. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Uh, I just thought there was a lot of interesting thing there, which is a very yeah, and I really but, think that's where they need to start focusing their energy is mm-hmm. these discussions now that they've got yeah. the fucking losers, you know. Yeah, again, I, th- I think because Matt understands the archetropism framework, and he, he he's kind of understood this naturally, because a lot of people, they understand it by instinct, even though they don't understand it formally. And because he and I, yeah, again, he and I both both think that if you're going to play the game, play it to win. And if you're, go- and if you're going to uh, you know, not play the game, you know, don't play the game at all. And yeah, I think that this is, you know, and both of those work. And it's like there's not, you know, there actually are two right answers, and there's one wrong answer, which is the LP. And this is the, you know, which is, I mean, Dave is kind of, he, he's committed at this point. There's no, uh, you know, I, the, the, again, I'm the admin of his part of the problem inner circle. So it's like, I'm not, I, I like, I really do like the guy and I've kind of kept the inner circle alive for seven months. Dude, same here. Me and you are both pr- fucking problem children. He's Absolutely. what made me an anarchist. I just, I disagree with the tactic. That's why yeah. I get so irritated when we see these discussions mm-hmm. online and people would go freak the fuck out yeah. and like, like whenever you say anything slightly bad about him, like everyone's shitting on Vin, everyone's shitting on fucking Sal, yeah. even Maddie a little bit. Maddie, I feel like kind of gets Maddie probably has been the most tactful about his disagreements. Yeah. So I feel like he's gotten less shit because Vin mm-hmm. and Sal, I'll give it to them. They, they aren't as tactful yeah. in their disagreements as yeah, Maddie I mean, has been. If you start calling names, you'll get under Dave's skin. And <laughs> that, you know, if you call him a predator, like, all right, he's going to take that personally. How can he not? And if, uh, yeah, and to Matt, it's like I think he got caught in it. I, he doesn't like to disagree, to really, uh, you know, con- contradict 
people who are his allies publicly, like he'll, t he'll talk to you behind the scenes, which I, by the way, I think is the appropriate way. But uh, as I, you know, when uh, uh, Vin came out and said that, I, I kind of cringed. I'm like, ah, that's not quite, that's not really true. Uh, I don't really think that's, that I really don't think Dave is a predator or, but I, I, I kind of get the point you're making, but I just, I, I don't, I don't see that. And uh, yeah, Matt with, came with that, out say, real quick with that and the whole predator thing, in a certain sense, he was yeah. correct. But he was being – there's no way he wasn't being intentionally yeah. uh, kind of shitty in the way you phrase it. Because, I mean, it's a semantic thing. We can mm -hmm. say, like, well, what he meant was that he's preying on them even if it's unintentional and he could be doing it in a benevolent way. But he's a super smart guy. He chose his words. I mean, yeah, I know, maybe he didn't. Maybe he's he didn't. I don't fucking know. It, it, it seemed like intentionally – yeah, I mean, yeah, Dave is like taking value from these guys and really giving them nothing in return. Like, this is not this LP strategy is not going to work. It is a complete waste of hundreds of thousands of dollars that could be spent doing. Yeah, and he real, could think. Work. And I actually believe Dave thinks it will work. So that's that's the key difference. I mean, personally, I do. I I think yeah. for what he's wanting, I think he he thinks he can do it. See, this I don't is, think. He, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just assuming yeah. the best in him. I, yeah, I'm I, assuming he's coming from a benevolent perspective. He thinks he's going to get something positive for Liberty Abbott. I don't think he's doing it to yeah, be entirely self-serving. So, well, uh, here's the, here's one of the the weird things I always notice in narcotropism is that people don't behave their ideals; they behave their incentives, and then they rationalize backwards. You know, so they they, they have the action. I'm going to do this action because this is what benefits me, and then I'm going to come up for a, a rational rational validation or you know explanation for why I should be doing that. And this is what I I kind of think has happened it doesn't it never happens consciously with people people never understand this I, you know, i'm guilty of this myself and i'm like yeah, really, is, really, yeah. I'm, I'm really introspective about this I, like i do the same thing i'm not trying to criticize dave you know and saying i'm better i'm not and you know the, the you know what he's doing is you know he, he's found his incentive you know which benefits him and he's come up with a rationale of why this would be a, a a good a good thing for for him and for everybody and this will produce value and but it, it is in that order that because he is going to get a much larger audience for this. Hopefully he won't get censored because if he's too effective, he's going to get censored, and the, uh, he's going to get just get get his ass completely canceled. And yeah. he's yeah, too effective. Be worse than that. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, he's not going to get that part. No, 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 no but, he's not. He's not. Gonna, <laughs> if he gets like to one threshold, he'll just get censored. And yeah, I, I, I don't even that. think he'll get to censored to be honest. But yeah, probably not. I mean, there. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, he's not going to. But uh, yeah, I do want to real quick. I do want to clarify though that like in these discussions, one thing when you're dealing with these like Maddies, Vins, Daves, they're all extremely fucking smart people, and they can. And that's a good point you brought up is that like people do that. It's just natural human nature. You pick a you pick a course of action and then you rationalize it, and it just generally tends to be what's in your best incentive to some extent, yeah. or like what you think it is. It just kind of. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever, you know, like, uh, 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 but anyways, fucking when you're super duper fucking smart, like these guys, it's easier to rationalize that shit. Like there, oh, yeah. there are ways, like you get to a point where you're so fucking smart, you can rationalize everything. A lot yeah. of people are like, look how smart these fuckers are. And it's like, you need to like analyze their arguments. One, one, what I said when I was talking, when I was on a break the cycle yesterday, mm -hmm. I fucking, the example I use is how I used to play soccer and I was a def I played defense. Oh, me and too. Yeah, and, and you know, as well as I do, the thing is, they always tell you, watch the ball, don't watch the person. Because, mm -hmm. like, the problem is, it's kind of like when you have these smart people that do all these tricks, and it, whether mm -hmm. it's intentional or not, sometimes mm -hmm. it can be so goddamn smart that it's like, 
you really got to pay attention. What are they saying? Like, yeah. and that's, and you can be like a fucking semi-smart midwit. Like, you don't have to be a genius to figure out these tricks. If anything, yeah. there's some like a flaw with geniuses in which they can kind of go any which way. Like yeah. there are geniuses that are Marxists. There are geniuses that are ANCAPs. There are geniuses that are everything. And, and they're almost all of them are doing it from a fucking what you would call benevolent. They're not doing it to be shitty. Like like they think that's mm-hmm. what's best for the hu- for the human race. You know what yeah. I mean? So oh yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember like because if you see which way the ball is going, the the ball's momentum really is uh you know kind of the direction because. In order for them to do something, you have to think, okay, they're going to have to change the direction of the, of, of the ball. Which way is that going to actually benefit them? That's why I look at the ball, not the player. And it's very much just what are they saying and not like the literal words come in their mouth, but what yeah. are they trying to articulate? Grasp that. Don't get so caught up in the flowery language, which very yeah. much happens with Maddie, Vin, and even Dave. Dave is, I'll be, I'll give it to Dave. He's a little less, less esoteric than those other two guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a lot more down to earth. He doesn't have mm. the, uh, the religious background, which yeah. again, I, again, I see as like a, you know, kind of like a, it's a trade, it's a trade off, you know, but uh, I do think the religious mindset, because I, I, again, I think all politics is religion. And this is, by the way, this is my third agorism strategy. Is that because I wrote a, a long uh, piece on this about about you know a one that will definitely work for agorism if you're if you're trying to really have a really high impact from agorism change the religion because every single time you have a, re- a major regime change basically all, for all of human history we go back and forth between monarchy and oligarchy and every single time without fail every time there's a regime change from oligarchy to monarchy there is a change in religion every single time no exceptions and you know, the dominant religion will all a, ch- a change in the dominant religion will always precede a change in the state regime because re- you know politics is a reflection of how well you actually are practicing your religion whatever it is you believe and yeah. uh, so quick, when you yeah real quick ahead. on that though I well I'm not religious I yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna say I think we should all like I'm not I know mm-hmm. the big thing with Maddie and day uh, or in a Pete on the recent episode was they talked about that a lot and I'm not gonna say that that's entirely the route but I also think if you're an atheist or, or even whatever, I think you should very much support Christian anarchists because mm-hmm. I do think like there is something – there might yeah. be some utility in religion and using it as a vehicle as a quick, fast, and dirty trick to be like get to where you want them to be. And, well, it works you know, every like, single yeah. time. I mean, again, when the progressive era started, they did, it didn't start with culture. People always say uh, you know, culture is downstream from politics. Religion is da- – I mean uh, culture is downstream from religion. So the uh, what the progressives started with was infecting Christianity with a social gospel. That was the infe- that was the exploit. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a hacker by, or I should say, you know, cyber defense specialist, <laughs> you know, by trade. And you know the uh, you know that was the exploit was that they put this thing in and it kind of it kind of worked its way around. And it was the social gospel that got that got the progressive era started. They didn't start with the culture; they started with the religion. And you saw this again with Rome, where Rome had paganism for uh, hundreds of years, and then they switched over to to Christianity. And like two centuries later, they were uh, a fully, uh, you know, monarchical society. Really, within like fifty years, they were like a monarchical society, but they just hadn't gotten official yet. It, it wasn't until like five thirty eight when you had a natural disaster that. Uh, you know, made six crop. You had six famines in a row because six crops failed because of the. You know, yeah, had a a meteoric impact off the. Uh, I think it was the coast of Australia that kicked a bunch of dust into the air and darkened sky. Sunlight goes down cold. Anyway, but the uh, but yeah, every single time you, you know you and you you see a major regime change, 
you know, where we, when we went from the, to, uh, when we went from, we had a constitution to not a constitution, a, a religion change preceded it. So if you're going to be, uh, you know, you want a really quick way, you need to change the dominant religion. Cause right now the dominant religion is wokeism. It's not Christianity. So we need, and I think we can probably agree that those faggots need to go. They can't stay. They need to get the helicopter treatment. Yeah. So now, one thing like, I've been saying for law is focus on the conclusion. Like the conclusion is we don't want people to hurt people or take their shit. And, and yeah. then like you, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, there is an importance to like the logic you use to get there, but if you can get someone to that conclusion, use whatever tool is fucking possible. And if yeah. you have any feeling whatsoever, this is a religious person, send them down that route. Like, don't try to be like, well, you know, Ayn Rand said like, they're not going to give a fuck. Like be like, well, if you yeah. interpret this verse this way and blah, blah, yeah. like, you know, G or God totally was not no, he, cool with the fucking them having Kings. He said, Hey, this isn't going to end well. And, you know, fucking yeah. is like, why not go that route? It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Like, I can totally make a biblical anarchist argument to someone without well, having to you be need religious. A, uh, what you need is, is is an exploit like the social gospel. You need the libertarian, whatever the libertarian equivalent of the social gospel is. I don't know what that is, but whatever it is, that's what you need. And you need to infect Christianity with that in a way that de makes it derive more power. And so, if you can have like, I don't know the. Uh, like if you've somehow got the non-aggression principle in a Christian version, like the silver rule or something like that, you really started harping heavy on the silver rule of, you know, why wokeism is wrong or something like that. And you, you tried to use this as some way of helping the right gain power through, you know, liber through a Christian libertarian thought that would, pr that would profit. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, I forget. Uh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not profligate, but uh, mm. profligate is the is, is the uh, uh, anyway. But that that would uh, propagate. There we go. Propagate. Yeah, I'm thinking a hacker because I'm thinking the, the, you know we have a, a a type of hack called a worm, which is itself propagating. It moves itself and makes copies of itself everywhere. And uh, yeah, and basically it would propagate outwards. And you would, and if you could get Christianity be a libertarian Christianity to be the dominant religion again somehow. Or you know, or maybe a, or maybe a, even a monarchical Christianity, which is you know maybe similar to a, you know with monarchism and Christianity, uh, monarchism and libertarianism are very very close in ideology, and their critiques of human nature. If you could get uh, something like that, you know, some sort of exploit in Christianity within a few decades, you could see a real change in uh, you know in the actual regime. Like I mean, to the point where like again in Rome, you went from a republic. You know, a pagan republic to Christian monarchy, which gave us all of civilization. When you had, you know, just the social gospel, we went from Christianity without a social gospel to Christianity with a social gospel. We got like World War One and World War Two, and it sucked. And uh, you know, and then when you know, just recently, because you know, Christianity's just been dethroned again. What what a state? You know, because states don't like mismatches in time preference. So when you have a uh, you know a low time preference religion and a high time preference state like the, you know Christianity and democracy, they're not going to fit. These are not going to work out for each other. And so with the state will try to make a new religion for itself. And by the way, man made religions you can always tell them apart from real religions that because man made religions will always raise time preference, not lower it. And there are good religions like, like Christianity, Islam, Judaism. These will always lower time preference. Every single time, no matter yeah, that what. Was a, that was a very good point that Maddie brought up in his discussion with Pete. Was that that is like a you know whenever you're dealing with like you know 
the state, the state and religion kind of go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Point. So it's like, yeah, that is your kind of your point in a different sense, but it's very much like, um, oh no, I mean, me, you got me that state one from me. Oh, you got it from you? <laughs> okay, well, yeah, statism is, statism is a, I mean, like, yeah. I, while I am an atheist, statism is a religion. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's like fucking, they, they have created their own religion. Oh. And we, so they have sacraments like, and everything. Yeah, no, I mean, that, the, read the most, most dangerous superstition by Larkin Rose. It's oh, like yeah. completely points out how it's entirely religion. And like, I know, I know like Maddie might quibble that we need religion and probably you would as well, but it's inevitable, but you I mean, whether it's inevitable or not, I don't care if that's a method I can use to get where I want to be. Fuck. Yeah. Go for it. Like, I don't give a shit. So like, that's why I'm saying like, use whatever tools you need to get to get people where they want to go. Especially if we're trying to move the masses, mm-hmm. use tools. They're going to move the masses. It's like Edward Bernays propaganda type shit fucking religion like that's how you move masses like i mean mm-hmm. do what you gotta do that doesn't mean you have to adopt those belief styles mm-hmm. like agree yeah they, like i mean it may sound shitty but like you're just getting people to go there and you don't even actually have to be dishonest about it you you can be like well i don't believe this but here's a great fucking reason why you should think this like yeah you know <laughs> like and uh yeah but yeah exactly as long as you you know if, if you can figure uh, this is a, pro- a project for i guess a lot of the agorists if you want uh, you don't have to be a christian but if you figure out the libertarian equivalent of the social gospel, let me know. I would love to know. And I would love to help develop that because that's something that you could get back into Christianity that would make it a real, a real, uh, you know, kind of change in the, in the, in the regime of the state. Like we could probably, we might, yeah, we're not going to go back to having a constitution, but we could probably get a new one. And that would be better somehow. Again, the last one was a right wing coup. What's stopping us from another right wing coup? Yeah, even my projection, which I'm sure we'll talk probably later, we're not going to go this episode. My projection of where I want things to go isn't necessarily in Kapistan. I think states existing are a fucking inevitability, but you can control your situation and yeah. the situation of those in your like influence, and you can move yeah. things to be better. But there will mm-hmm. always be. So to some extent, yeah. I, I do think the whole nationalism idea of that we're going to fucking change the nation is a little bit retarded. And that's why, like, things like the free state are a little bit more in line with, like, reality. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> which we'll get can, more into that probably yeah, I can on. talk to you about my solutions maybe in the next episode. I think you should go first, though, because I'll talk your ear off the whole time. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, the, uh, well, we're already an hour and a half. Is there anything more you want to talk about the Maddie and Eric, Maddie, Eric, Dave type thing? Because there was some interesting stuff there. It really, I would love to, like, if or someone out there to, like, do, like, a point-by-point breakdown. Like, there was so much shit that came up there. But, well, I think yeah. I think Dave is about to do a response on Thursday. Mm. Last uh, last I heard, and uh, you know, I, I think the uh, you know that the, the point you know the reason again the reason these two agree. You can tell a lot of times when something is true because a lot of people seem to come to it from different points of view, and they'll come to the same conclusions different ways. Again, well, we like said with our, multiple times a day. <laughs> yep, like again with like archotropism, like I can uh, you know I can use the framework to define two different ways that are definitely going to work. And I can say, and I can say for all, the, and then I can use it to turn around and say all the reasons the ELP strategy is not going to work because it has no power. No one cares what losers think. I mean, all they're doing when they're running, uh, you know, candidates is they're associating our name with failure and losing. It's like they're making the libertarian name synonymous with failure and losing. And oh my I, I, god! I, not to go on, it's just something that drives me nuts all the time. People always use an, an, an argument for why we should fucking use LP as like, well, the name's libertarian in there, and we should fucking like they're representing us in some sense. They're no, no, no. fucking distance yourself, distance yourself from them and fucking like ridicule them to out of existence, yeah. and that way you can go, I'm a libertarian. 
that's not libertarian. I don't know the fuck that is because then you'll have more credence. Yeah. Whereas if you if you embrace it, all you're doing is giving into that perception. Hashtag so Mises GOP for real libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, I created a Mises GOP super PAC because I really am, am intent on you know re really doing the lobbying strategy and the the local government strategy because I really have I I think I've got I've got a master grand plan using the archotropism framework because it it does tell you what the right answer is for like how do you fix a government at least and how do you get it to where the the archotropism cycle is not quite broken but it's different it's changed like you'll get the you'll get the best of the best and very little of the worst there is a way to do that with and uh but uh, but the uh I, like i'll get to, i'll get into that probably then probably in the next episode because that you know, we're, we're at i think we're out of time for right now but uh yeah, yeah i think i think i, I think uh dave is going to respond i think that's kind of what we're awaiting there's a round table tomorrow with the uh you know the the knights the the, the right knights of the uh of the gop round table oh yeah that bu the buck johnson thing oh yeah dude, that, that, I'm be on that that was okay yeah i saw that i was like dude, that's a fucking killer discussion i'm looking forward to that yeah. so it actually might work out best that we're kind of splitting this up in two and not knocking all at once because we'll have yeah. probably that to talk on next time we meet and also maybe yeah. i don't know when it's going to release but the dave thing so uh but yeah yeah, I, yeah. If, if you're going to but yeah remember what i said earlier about accelerationism is that if you have a right winger in power that can capture the the new order from it accelerationism is not a bad idea and this is a way that i think that you could have agorists and the gop guys working together is that if you have the uh the agorists who are just in, are intent on doing their own thing and you know as you know, like by the way, I love shit posting. I love, I love, you know, the idea that we're going to be creating division, particularly between the right and the left. I love the idea that you're going to be moving people from really shit red shit uh, uh, blue states to red states because that is an agorism. Migration is agorism, and or at least it's one brand of it. Or and uh, you know, it's like all of these things are really, really good. They work well together, and that's the, and that's something that I think you know binds you know like Matt and Vin together. It's like their their ideas work. It's like, for, you know, you, you can argue about why, but they do work. And the, this idea with the LP, it doesn't fucking work. Never has worked. They spent seven decades of failure. My God. They're not, or is it seven? Yeah, I think it's seven. And it's just like, you know, the, 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 you know, the, uh, you know if you, but, you know, the ideas that work tend to work together. So it's like then the ideas that don't work just don't work at all, and they don't work with anybody. They're separatists. Yeah. They're losers. And yeah. the, you see that with the LPs. Like we don't want to be left or right. We don't want to stay. You know, be associated with these guys. We don't want to uh, associate with the other parties. They're separatists. They're losers. They're not going to work. Yeah, it, they don't work at all. This is you know. The, uh, the, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that you know a, a cowardice usually hides itself with behind uh, moral language. I think that's exactly what's going on with the LP. Is this is cow this is cowardice and sloth hiding itself with uh, moral language, and yeah. You know, whereas if you if you're gonna, if you're morally flexible like me, you're okay with the GOP strategy. If you're morally principled like Jose here, you're gonna go with the <laughs> algorithm strategy. And there is there is no in between. There's no like oh we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be like status, but we're gonna be bad at it. And yeah, I'm not morally principled, so we'll go into that more. Yeah. But I, I oh, do well, think wonderful. The, the the way I see it is like. Okay, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong because I actually am coming from a tactical perspective with my old stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not morally principled, but the way I see it, just to give a little taste for our future episode or future talk, is I almost see it in the whole like, uh, you know, or uh, anarchy is better than monarchy, which is better than democracy. Like I see it as agorism is better than the paleo, which is better than the LPMC. 
that's kind of how I'm seeing it. So like, yeah. while I may not, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm like, if you're gonna, I'm kind of almost would rather have you do that. Like, cause I do understand to some extent, like a lot of people always like give aggro shit. Like, well, people are going to be politically involved. Like, yeah, yeah, I know that. No shit. Like, I'm not denying human nature. Like, yeah. I, I mean, people are going to do that, but I can still be like, maybe you shouldn't. And Hey, if you're going to, I'd prefer you to do this. Like, yeah. it's the same idea. Like if we're going to have a government, I'd prefer a monarchy. <laughs> like, so you know i don't want government <laughs> like, but yeah yeah uh, so so yeah well hey it's been wonderful talking to you i mm -hmm. really enjoy this i definitely think we should do this probably again next week oh hell yeah yeah okay definitely next week because yeah i'm bake i'm i'm making the rounds again i have a, a little bit of a lull in my uh job right now so i'm able to have extra time to go on and do a lot of extra podcasts yeah. i go between times of uh, you know high intensity i'm about to blow my brains out and then i have low intensity where i have a little bit of extra energy at time and this is what you know for the next week i have plenty of time i would love to come back or have you on my actually i'd love to have you on mine such mm -hmm. an interesting guy to talk to thank you for having <laughs> me here oh no problem thanks for coming on yeah i'm on terminal leave from the military right now so uh like which is basically like I don't terminal? Know terminal terminal leave yeah does that mean you're know. dying no, no, no. It's a uh, terminal leave. Terminal leave in the military is your last leave, and leave is basically like your vacation day. So I'm literally like, okay. I'm at the end of my shit, and I'm using it my uh, my fucking um, my vacation days. Okay, good. So I'm still technically in right now, but I'm getting out. I'm uh, I've been in for eleven years, and fucking, I'm out after this. So yeah. All right, good for you. Yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, I want to go ahead and drop your plugs. We'll go ahead and fucking do this whole rigmarole. <laughs> yeah, you can find you can find me at, at uh, on Twitter at, at @popularliberty underscore. You can find me uh, on uh, uh, on uh, Substack at anti-libertarian. Again, it's not, I'm against libertarianism. It's that I can say this is a quick way for me to tell who's actually read the blog and who hasn't. Because libertarian is to anti-libertarian the way hero is to anti-hero. You know, I'm a I'm a he I'm a libertarian with anti-hero virtues instead of heroic virtues. And you can also. Find me at on YouTube at, at, at uh, just just regular popular liberty. You can find all my stuff there. I have all, you know discussions about all the laws of archotropism. I have discussions of historical analyses of Ancapistan. I have an Art of War series I'm doing with uh, John Hartman. You know on you know Art of War of, uh, uh, for a strategy with the libertarian. You know with the libertarian edition, we're applying the Art of War and reading from it to uh, you know the libertarian strategy. And uh, that's that. And I'm going to have a new episode with him uh, next week that goes into the fourth law of archotropism because Sun Tzu uh, talks a lot about which kind of trains are valuable and valuable, and you want to take, and which ones you don't. And yeah, so we're going. I'm going to mix that episode with the fourth law of archotropism, which talks a lot about that. We talked a little about about that on this on this uh, show. And uh, let's see, where else am I? I think that's about. Oh, and I also want to plug uh, you know the super pack I made, uh, Mises GOP. And we're going to be getting a website up for that uh, pretty short, pretty soon. There is a MeWe group for it right now. If you have wealth, power, and influence, we'd love to have your money and you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. Uh, fucking John Hartman's the shit too. So uh, definitely go check him out. I don't know if he's still running his podcast uh, regularly yeah. or not. Um, but yeah, he's he's great shit. He goes more like spiritual stuff, so it's not even necessarily libertarian. He's a great yeah. guy. He he's one of the OGs from the fucking. Uh, part of the problem yeah. inner circle back when we actually had one i guess we do now you're kind of we do it's official kind of, again you're I shamed, you, him, I shamed dave on twitter for seven months he finally did it he yes came uh, back. his own group christ has returned it's a, yeah second best time at you rose yeah. um yeah that's pretty good one. uh for me i'm on the no way jose youtube channel 
I'm also anywhere audio podcasts that are at. Hit me up at thelibertymovementglobal at gmail.com or if you want to hit me up on Twitter, go follow me there on at Gallison Jose or my name, Jose Galison, in the search bar. Uh, give me money, patreon.com slash nowayjose2020. Like, share, subscribe, comment. With that, it's been awesome, dude. I really appreciate having you on. I'm, we're definitely going to have a second part to this. So, All right. Thanks for it. having me, bro. Love it. All right, thanks.